1: Welcome to Out Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Man, what a beautiful week. It has been great weather. Hasn't rained a lick. It's been high 70s, full sunshine. We're expecting a really good day on Saturday. It'll be an 11 a.m. star, plenty of sunshine for you. Should be a little cool to start the day and Man, Charlie, we've hit that point in the season, man, where every game is a big one. It's like the second season. Everything's a a conference game here on out with the exception of that next to last game, of course. But,
0: man, it's amazing what a big win will do for your spirit during the weekend. It changes the whole town, doesn't it? Man, it's amazing. Just the attitude around town is different. And that was a good win. I'm still not entirely sure where I would put Texas A&M. They're going to have a rough weekend this weekend. Oh, boy but we've got a chance to go to two and one in the league. And a lot of people will disagree with me, but I think we're going to look back and see that LSU is going to finish out this season a little bit stronger than maybe people evaluated them after that loss against Florida state. Yeah. They're not wretched. That's
1: the thing. You know, we were so upset the week we lost to LSU. They're not a bad football team. You know, it's not like looking back at the end of the season and say, man, there's no reason we should have lost to that team. Now, Probably should have won a game, but they're not wretched. They didn't look bad on the road this past week at Auburn. They've got some big games coming up, and so hey, did you see where Max Johnson that came out? He he broke his thumb late in that game for Texas A and M, and that was a guy. I know he had thumb issues, but man, he had to been he had to been hurting big time after that one was over. It would be interesting to see what A&M does this week. Of course, Haynes King came in late in our game. But all the stuff talked about in the offseason, everybody talking about Jimbo and Nick Saban, the luster has really come off of that game big time.
0: Well, I would guess that Texas A&M would like for that game to be played on the home shopping network and televised (laughs) about 3 a.m. instead of being front and central because they are not at all shocking I know for a team out of the state of Texas but they are not at all where people would have put them going back two months ago
1: and you, you say the home shopping network and you start talking about networks and of course this was one of those that CBS gobbled up early in the process they've got a, a couple games this weekend at CBS and we talk about our game being at 11 a.m and Charlie, here's one of the things. This is not what Mississippi State wanted, and John Cole has pretty much said as much this week about you don't like the 11 a.m. games if you're hosting the 11 a.m. games. But for the TV networks, the 11 a.m. window is one of the most prized windows. They would rather take – so here's the way it works, of course. You've got the the national broadcast typically at 2.30, which is CBS, going forward with ABC in the near future. It will be interesting to see how all of that kind of lines up. But right now for TV executives, that, of course, that prime time 6, 7 o'clock on Saturday night's big. But, man, let me tell you, the, the number two spot for them for like an ESPN is 11 a.m. Instead, they look, They'd they rather, rather play at 11 a.m. than at 2.33 o'clock.
0: Okay. If you're trying to make me feel better, you're not. But I appreciate the effort. I'm just saying a bigger game's. It's not like the old days
1: where you felt like, man, we're just being relegated to 11 o'clock. Well,
0: and I'll give you an example. We have a top 25 matchup in the league this week, Tennessee and LSU. That game will be at 11 o'clock. And so, no, you're right. I think it's two of the better games, quite honestly, being set at 11. I talked to a couple of players this week, and I would kind of made a few comments about, and 11 o'clock, and they were both. What's wrong with 11 o'clock? (laughs) <laughs> uh, who wants to sit around a hotel all day? Let's get up and play.
1: Well, the whole thing, too, is is you know kind of like LSU throwing a fit. They, they've they never played 11 a.m. games. They had just a few in their their history. If you're going to dole them out, I mean, just make sure everybody has the same opportunity. They don't get to play all the night games down there just because they, they gripe and complain about
0: it. It doesn't become the designated Vanderbilt time slot. You know, no. Vanderbilt, Missouri. <laughs>
1: exactly. When's the last time Vanderbilt was on CBS? Been a while, has Hey, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. It's Farm Bureau, favorites.com. Home, life, auto, whatever you're in the market for. Go by and see our good friends at Farm Bureau. And Charlie, let me tell you what I did yesterday. I had a guy come to the house and do some mulching and some cleaning around some trees and kind of open up some wooded areas, and he had a big old logo on the side that said Trax Plus. Now, this guy's an individual. He just bought it from Trax Plus. And so you got a barcode machine with a Denny Simoff head mulching head and, man, he did the trick. And he got it down to Tracks Plus in Hickory, Mississippi. And, of course, they've got five locations now. Hickory, that's the original. They're just a growing company. Of course, startwell Columbus. They're down in Summit, Mississippi, Alexandria at Louisiana, and now in Bessemer, Alabama on I-459. But our good friends at Tracks Plus, they've got the Saini Excavators and Mini Excavators. It's funny, too, about a guy two, like two miles away from me. He's doing a big – construction cleaning and they've got sandy mini excavator oh, sitting over there and a regular excavator sitting over there so charlie if, if chris and those guys won't let you on one i can call my good friend down the road and we can go out there in the middle of a pasture and just let you dig without any water lines gas lines anything like that there's nothing that you could tear up well i'm sure you could find something to tear up i was gonna
0: say well let's let's not make that a challenge.
1: Yep, that's our good friends at Tracks Plus. Hey, we're talking basketball today with James Miller. James Miller, the assistant basketball coach, one of the assistant basketball coaches here at State. And looking forward to talking with James. James and his family. Darlene does uh, does volleyball broadcasts with me. And James and his family have been a great addition to the Starville community.
0: Oh, absolutely. Great guys. And I love this whole staff. Look forward to talking with him.
1: No doubt. So we'll come back on the other side of the break. We'll take talk to James Miller. We'll talk in men's basketball a month away right now. Mississippi State under the first-year direction of Chris Jans and his assistant James Miller going to join us here. You're listening to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. Now, welcome back to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. I'm Bar Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. And now we talk to Mississippi State Assistant James Miller. James, how you doing, man?
2: Good. How are you guys?
1: We're doing good. Hey, so before we get going talk about basketball, Darlene, your lovely wife, is the color analyst this year for volleyball, the broadcast. And so I met with Darlene like a couple weeks before the season started. And she was nervous about it. She was like, hey, I've never broadcast before. But she played
2: volley- – where did she play volleyball? She played at CSU Pueblo, yeah, Division Two okay. school.
1: And uh, so, anyway, I was like, ah, it's no big deal. And then she shows up for the first game. She's a little bit nervous. Uh, she probably said, man, let me tell you
0: something. This guy's an idiot.
2: <laughs> she didn't say you're an idiot. No, she said you make it really easy for. Her. I don't know about that
0: though. Uh, say that denial wasn't coming very quickly, Bart. So that, that was, that's those what, were some measured words right there.
1: And that's what Charlie would say too. You know, he makes it really easy. You know, makes it real easy to do this. And So hey, how you guys are getting settled in and every year everything? First year of you've been around a good bit in, in making moves. How how tough is it for the first year for a coach, coach's family to kind of get intertwined? Is it something you just become used to, or is it something that is different everywhere you go? How hard is it to kind of get intertwined in the community?
2: Well, I think for the coach itself and myself, it's pretty easy because I come here usually a month or two before them, or in some cases a little bit longer before my family, and then I get situated because it's just, boom, right away. I get to meet people in town. Obviously, you have some built-in um, camaraderie with the coaches on the staff that you, that you automatically just associate with. For them, it's a little more difficult because they're coming behind us. They're packing up the house back wherever we're coming from. Obviously, now we have kids that are in school, so that makes it a little more challenging. I think we're getting used to it, though. You know, I don't know if it's essentially what we want to do every year, but we've had a stretch where we've moved quite a bit, forward, four moves in four years before New Mexico State. I think that kind of gave us a, a pretty good uh, rude awakening of what it's like. So it's become a lot easier.
0: All right, you make the move, four years. Now, when I talk to Coach Chans, sometimes it says Crucis he leaves the loss off there. Hey, what's the right way to say it?
2: Las Cruces.
0: Okay. Yeah. Is, that, is that like just some kind of local thing? Or? Cruces, yeah. yeah. Everybody just uh, calls it
2: Cruces around there.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you make the move from Las Cruces uh, to Starkville. What have you seen in terms of level of play from what you expected? Meaning you come in, you, you've got some guys you bring in, you got some guys that are already here. Where's the level of play kind of versus what you're used to seeing?
2: Well, I think, one, we're blessed because we're, we're coming into a situation, and inherited situation that is not as down as a lot of situations are when you, when you start over with a new staff, when a coach might be let go or he moves on. Oftentimes you're taking over a program that's won minimal games, um, doesn't have a great foundation for success, and doesn't have a lot coming back. So the level of play is probably better than what we would expect from that standpoint because we come into a situation where you do have some good players coming back, um, and it's not like they were very far off in the past. It just needs – to get over a hump a little bit more, I think so. Um, the level of has been good. Um, I think we still have to increase that. Um, still have to increase our talent base, but at the same time, we're pretty blessed from a standpoint of coming into a new situation and not having a, just a avoid roster of talent.
1: You know, and going back to going to that point, you know, you got a DJ Jeffries back, you got a Tolu Smith back, you got a Shaq Moore back, and you know guys that have been around this program that fans are going to be accustomed to. But in today's world, I mean, you got to start in junior college basketball. And we've talked to Coach Jans about this too, about putting together a roster. It's amazing how when you start thinking about putting together a roster, how similar this is to junior college basketball the way it used to be 10 years ago or even today because you have so much roster turnover across the country. Do you think that helps? I, w- I would think it has to help you and Coach Jans because this is not foreign to you at all, but it's a foreign situation to a lot of guys out there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. A majority of our staff has been at the junior college level, and it's it's very similar in recruiting right now because of the transfer portal and because of the coming and going and because of just roster management. That's what it's turned into. And so um, for us, we've always kind of been accustomed to the year-to-year model of building a roster and building staffs, and, 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 and you're building a program um, but at the same time, um, that culture continues to carry over year to year, but you don't necessarily have guys around for three or four years anymore. And that's just college basketball as we know it. So for us, it, it's, it is kind of second nature. It's not as big a deal probably for some that are used to having the three or four years, and you just continue You don't have that, um, that turnover of the roster. So yeah, I think it's been helpful. Um, I think it will continue to help us because I think, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, that's just the way of college basketball now.
0: One of the things that's always interested me – about teams change this is the pro level all the way down to high school level sometimes a coaching change is good for particular guys you know you see guys just kind of respond they fit a new system who do you think right now of the guys coming back who do you think man this guy's got a chance to really take a step forward this year
2: well I think two guys stand out DJ Jeffries because I think that he has a defensive versatility that coach wants in a player and then obviously he's so athletic um, and hopefully just with a, a, maybe a new system or a new confidence or just a little bit of everything sprinkled in, he'll be able to take another step forward because he has that type of talent. And then the other guy is Cameron Matthews because what Cameron's really good at um, defending and rebounding and toughness and playing hard is what coach values. So I think he has a, maybe a, a different role than maybe he's had in, in the past um, with the previous staff, but I think Cameron can take another step forward because um, he's going he's, he's gonna to be valued in a different way maybe.
1: And you mentioned Cameron Matthews, and he's the type of guy that, that I think about when I think about this style of basketball. In today's world, we, we talk about transfer portal and things of that nature. But in today's world, you look at AU basketball, and I, I've seen it on the on the girl side personally, and so much is about scoring. It's not about setting up. It's not about defending hard. And how tough is it in today's world of what you guys are wanting to do from a physical defensive standpoint? How hard is it to – a, find the right people, and B, when you get guys in or the quote-unquote scores to buy in on the defensive side?
2: Yeah, it's difficult because when you play in the SEC, you have to find guys that are willing to do both. And oftentimes you can find somebody that just wants to score but doesn't want to defend, or you can find guys that maybe are role players, quote-unquote role players, but they struggle to score. So now we're trying to find both. Um, and so it's not easy. Um, and so with this particular team and, and our talent um, with with this with this squad – I think that we have a little bit of each, and we're trying to mold, maybe, Cam, we need you to score a little bit more than you have in the past, whereas a guy that maybe has scored, say Shaq, we need you to defend a certain way. And so we're trying to um, um, blend it all together to where they can be more well-rounded as players. But it's very difficult um, to do that because a lot, oftentimes you don't find those guys. And when you do find those guys, they're really hard to get. Um, but I think our team has been really good at, at trying to tackle that challenge from coach um, and trying to become more well-rounded all, all, all the way. Will McNair
0: followed you guys from New Mexico State. Veteran player, big guy, physically big, 6'11", 265. What's the importance of Will McNair? Is it a guy who can help guys understand, hey, here's what's expected every day? Is it
2: physicality? What does Will McNair bring with him? Yeah, he brings an understanding of what um, the expectations are and the accountability factor that Coach puts in uh, within the program. So that obviously helps because he can help some guys understand something that maybe it's harder to get from a coach um, or this they just don't know in the locker room. Um, But Will also, and people don't understand how good of a player he is because he's always, in his career at New Mexico State, was second fiddle to some really good players as well. And he's coming to his own. So he's improved tremendously, especially the last 10 months, 12 months. Um, Last year was kind of his coming out party, so to speak. Like, who is this Will McNary? He's always had talent but he kind of put some production behind it last year. And I think he can do that for us here as well, Um, but people just don't understand that because we never have really required him to score a lot or we never really required him to be a main guy. But he has that type of ability for sure.
1: Talking about newcomers, is there anybody from a newcomer standpoint, is there a freshman or is there a transfer that you sit there and say, hey, this guy is going to really fit the mold of what we want to do and has a chance to flourish? One of the new guys.
2: Yeah, I think we have a, a couple uh Deshaun Davis who is a transfer from Oregon State you know is a point guard Uh, he led the Pac-12 in assists albeit not on a great team at Oregon State but he showed some flashes of what he's able to do Um, so I think he'll be one of the key guys for us Eric Reed is a really good shooter from uh, Southeast Missouri he's a grad transfer so he has experience he's been in college for quite some time and and he fills a void of of what we needed was to get some more shooting um, within the roster and then Um, Lastly, I'd probably say Tyler Stevenson, um, who's transferred from Southern Miss. He brings a a junkyard dog mentality, and he's really athletic. And so those guys being older, um, having a lot of college experience, I think will help us right away. And then obviously we have some other transfers that that will be good for us as well. But those guys are kind of sticking out as guys that we're going to need to lean on pretty heavily here in the early going at practice.
0: You mentioned guys being older. It seems like following you guys at New Mexico State – having some age, even if they hadn't always been with you, having guys who were older seemed to be an advantage for you guys, the whole uh,
2: 22-year-olds playing 19-year-olds. Yeah, Coach wants to try to stay older. And I think what we've learned is, and it's exciting because we have a perfect blend. We have some older guys on this roster, but we also have some good freshmen that are talented that I think in, in, in the course of time are going to be really good players as well.
0: All right, let me ask you about that, because one of the challenges it seems to me today is with freshmen because, you know, in the old days, it used to be that if you had a junior point guard, you wanted a freshman behind them, and they waited two years, and then they were the starter, and all of a sudden they went from 10 minutes to 30. But now with the transfer portal, it doesn't seem like that class and positional balance is so much of an issue. How do you keep your freshmen engaged when you've got these older guys
2: to make them understand, hey, there's there's a longer process here for you? Well, I think... As corny as it sounds, you have to communicate with them where they're at in the process and then not make them empty promises because at the end of the day, there is going to be a process. It doesn't matter if you're the top recruit in the country or if you weren't unranked. It, there's going to be some sort of process for each individual young kid. So for us, we're trying to just make sure that we continue to continue to communicate with them um, openly, um, but at the same time, just trying to pour as much as we can into them. And it's kind of like a plant. We're just going to watch them grow slowly and then they're going to blossom at some point or a flower. Um, And and that's how we try to approach it. But it is, it's hard to keep them engaged because we are in a uh, want-it-now mentality of a society. And so um, that's not always realistic. But with that being said, at this point in the year, it's pretty easy because no minutes have been doled out yet. No games have been played. Down the road, it might be a little bit more difficult um, just because the reality of it is. But I do think our freshmen have a chance to play for us. And so hopefully when they get a taste of that, Then that'll continue to you know keep them moving forward and kinda have that carrot in front of them.
1: Well we're talking to James Miller, assistant men's basketball coach. We're gonna talk to him further on the other side of the break. This is out of left field presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back out of left field presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Barb Gregory along with Charlie Winfield talking with James Miller, men's basketball coach, assistant men's basketball coach. We're talking about basketball. And, you know, we always used to wait until October because he had midnight madness. and But in today's world, things have changed. I mean, you guys have been able to work out as a team. How's the structure? I mean, when can you go from individual workouts to team structure? And then how long will it be before you start going into, like, game prep mode?
2: Yeah, so the structure is in the off season, meaning after the final four all the way through uh, 42 days before your first game, you have eight hours a week to work with your team, but only four of those hours can be on the floor. And you can work with a team or individually. It doesn't matter. Um, so four hours typically is geared towards conditioning and strength training, four hours is on the floor. And then now that we're within 42 days of our first game, now we have 20 hours a week we can work with the guys. No more than four hours a day, I think the rule is. And so, um, you know, we practice about five days a week right now as a team. Still, there's there's some individual portions as far as shooting times and those types of things. But um, we're, we're, we're in it pretty good right now. And so, as far as game prep goes, you know, that, that usually will start um, four or five days before games. And then just as you go throughout the course of the season, you, you're balancing it between trying to practice, work on yourselves, and then trying to prepare for upcoming opponents. But um, And obviously, within practice, you know, the next couple of weeks, we'll throw some stuff that has to do with our – first two or three opponents that hopefully will prepare us uh, ahead of schedule but yeah we're we're in the meat of it now one of the
0: questions that always seems to come up about coaches football basketball what have you is what's the style of play some people are very set on a style some people look at their roster and say well here's what we need to do Uh, how would you characterize the
2: approach that you guys have um year to year we're always going to be good defensively um and and rebound like those are always going to be staples of the program and the foundation what we're trying to do um but i think from year to year coach is willing to change how we play based off our personnel so for instance last year we were guard heavy a little bit more ball dominant guys and we played a little more freely and played um like a spacing dribble drive type offense whereas this year maybe that might not be our strong suit so maybe we're going to be more of a motion team or something like that so um defending and rebounding and being tough like that's a staple of what coach wants to do he doesn't have a whole bunch of slogans obviously but that's kind of the bread and butter of, of what the program is and then as we get you know more um familiar with our, our personnel offensively especially that'll kind of cater to what, how we're going to try to play on that end of the floor
1: yeah what's the old adage defensive rebounding travels I yeah mean, some nights you're going to have nights where you can't shoot it but you can defend and you can rebound every night
0: exactly yeah that's exactly right one of the guys obviously that Seem to be you know, a big return for us is Tolu Smith. Last year, fought some injury issues, and, and at times you could see where he could go. How's he looking right now? How's he moving, and, and where
2: do you think he is? Yeah, Tolu's been great in the fall, uh, great in the summertime. Knock on wood, been relatively injury-free. He's in great shape. He's moving well. He's playing on the rim. Um, we expect to have a big year for him, and, and obviously we need him to stay healthy. Uh, but he's he's looked tremendous so far.
1: If you were to say right now, a month before the season, what's the biggest thing you guys are having to work on? What's the the thing right now you sit there and say, okay, this is the area right now we've got to get better? Every area. (laughs) (laughs) Spoken like a true coach.
2: coach, No, I think we're, we're, we're making the necessary steps and strides on the defensive end that I think, you know, coach is happy with our progress. He's not happy necessarily where we are and we're not a finished product, but he's happy with how that's progressing. I think that the biggest thing for us and maybe the biggest question mark for us is who's going to score the points for us outside of Toulouse man. Um, how are we going to be able to generate some offense and how is that going to look to try to make it easier for our guys to, to put them in the best uh, situations for them to be successful offensively. And that's kind of, again, that's going to come with experience with them in, in live, live segments, you know, where we're playing against other teams and these upcoming scrimmages will help with that. But, Obviously, as a coach, you're I mean, you hit on was like everywhere. We need to work on everything. But offensively, I think is going to be the biggest challenge or question mark for us going into those first games. One of the things that
0: Mississippi State used to pride itself on was crowd support, student support. Uh, the hump used to be full. There have been times that we've struggled with that. Looking at you guys in New Mexico
2: State, it looks like you had support. How important is that? Uh, extremely important. If you see – the support we had at New Mexico State was, it was unbelievable. And I think we lost one home um, conference game in, in the five years coach was there. So we need support. It's, it's incredibly important for our success and the team's success. And obviously for our guys, um, it's really important for their experience here. Um, and if we want to put a, a really competitive a product on the floor, we, we need the crowd support. We need the community support um, in order for us to get, you know, what we want to get done here.
1: Hey, appreciate you coming by. Thanks for having me. Always great to see you. Always great. Vanessa James Miller, assistant basketball coach at State. Charlie, hey, man, I really enjoyed being around the – Chris Jans and James Miller. Of course, you got George back and Dave Anwar. This whole coaching staff is—it's been real good to be around, and man, really fitting into the community extremely well. I think this is going to be a basketball team. I mean, you heard him just say just a minute ago about you know trying to find some scores. Every coach in America right now is saying the same exact thing. We got to find some more guys to score the basketball.
0: <laughs> Never enough of that.
1: No, not at all. But I tell you what, um, I've been to some practices, and man, these guys absolutely get after it i mean it is
0: a fun thing i mean they get after it i've heard comparisons to mike leach's practices in the sense that if you go to a mike leach practice there is no standing around no. you've got footballs in the air on all parts of the fields people moving constantly and that's one of the things that has really jumped out to people watching a Chris christian's practice is every goal in there is being used people are moving people are getting instruction There's no standing around waiting your turn.
1: No, not at all. And what does crowd support go with? When does the crowd get the loudest? When you're on defense and you're defending. And you see these guys getting after it and defending hard. It's going to be fun to watch. And so that conversation brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing located throughout the the southeast now, up in the Midwest, over in the eastern seaboard. And they're in Florence, Mississippi. That's where they make it. It's a Mississippi-made product. You just can't beat the flavor. Of Country Pleasing Sausage. Hey, it's a morning game this week. Football, it'll be 11 a.m. start. If you got a chance to get out there and tailgate before the game, I know a lot of people tailgate after the game. So before or after the game, make sure your tailgate includes our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Charlie and I will come back and we'll have a final word here on Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back, final segment of Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Had a good talk today about men's basketball with James Miller. We'll talk uh, sometime in the next month with Sam Purcell or someone from his staff and get you ready for Mississippi State women's basketball. Football now on the mind, 11 a.m. on Saturday as the Dogs take on the Hogs of Arkansas. Charlie and I will have our Tracks Plus Deep Dig On Friday, and Charlie, so much is being talked about right now coming out of Fayetteville. Will K.J. Jefferson play? Will he not play? And, of course, to me, that's one of the things you just, you know, first of all, you don't know what's going to happen. And it was a head injury, evidently. He hit his head. That's what Sam Pittman said after the game. And so in today's world, especially after what happened to two in the last couple of weeks, you know, that's something you definitely want to be particular with if you're Arkansas. But, hey, Charlie, We said A&M and Arkansas, then Kentucky. This is a big three-week swing. We took care of number one. We got that one checked off the list. And this is another big weekend this
0: weekend. And I said last week, I think you and I both said, that I'd take two out of three right now and call it good. I'm, I'm rescinding that. Are you really? You want all three? I want all three now.
1: Well, after seeing Kentucky last weekend, and you feel like there are opportunities out there. Now, we haven't played well at Kentucky, and, of course, we'll get into the Kentucky game next week. But this game, last year, we went to Fayetteville, lost 31-28. to If you remember back, we kind of got gypped on a call late, a pass interference. Arkansas drove down. We uh, we missed some field goals in that game, had some special teams. Hey, let me tell you this before we go any further. You mentioned I mentioned special teams. Our special teams – with the exception of the, the missed extra points early in the season.
0: I know that's a big. I will say all three? All three. Okay, so I mean, that's a pretty big exception, though. It is.
1: It? it is a big exception. So, I mean, you put the asterisk by that. But for all with intents and purposes. With the exception of the
0: car wreck and the speeding ticket, I thought you did a great job driving over to the studio today. Is and that the, what
1: you're kidding? And the fumbled punt. But other than that, <laughs> I'll say, other than all those go things. Go on. <laughs> And other than the long kickoff return we gave against A-Chain this weekend, we've been pretty good Uh, on special teams.
0: No, I I accept the premise, actually. Um, It's one you can have some fun on. But we're not alone in having some issues. Now, obviously, there's room for improvement. We missed a field goal last week. We kicked in a situation we shouldn't. We've had – but I will say this. I think what we have seen for the most part in special teams is not – Not a failure of guys knowing what to do or where to be. We just hadn't made some plays. I mean, ultimately, whether it's special teams or anything else, players have to make plays, as Jackie used to say all the time. And we just have have missed a couple. But I would say it seems like we, we are certainly improving overall there.
1: I think so. All right, this weekend, another big weekend here in Starkville. Man, last weekend was a lot of fun. We had a lot of people in town, anticipating a bunch of people in town this weekend, 11 a.m. start. And so you've got the, we say it every week, make your reservations right now at your restaurants. Figure out where you're going to go and the place to go when you're trying to figure out what restaurants to go to dot org.
0: Anything else going on, Charlie, this weekend? Uh, you can't forget on Sunday the brunch and browse going on downtown. And then looking forward, uh, there's a lot that's kind of on that calendar out there, things to be looking forward to. And by the way, one of the things on campus, the Lyceum Series, the silhouettes are here this week, volleyball on campus. Bart, you do some volleyball games. Those are fun. They are. The, the atmosphere is great. Next weekend, a couple of those. But start to peek ahead a couple of weeks, Cotton District Arts Festival, taste of Starville, all that getting a little closer on the calendar too. So a lot of good things going on in Starville.
1: You know, I forgot about that. The Cotton District Arts Festival used to be in the spring. They kind of moved that back to the fall this year. And so you have a lot of different people there. That's a, usually a big deal down in the Cotton District. And of course, you got great Cotton District restaurants as well all across town with the restaurants too. And so go to startwell.org, Mississippi's college town. I saw a lot of people last Sunday. Ton of people last Sunday on Main Street with the brunch and brows and so we'll anticipate seeing that again. This week, so Charlie enjoyed it as always. Once again, thanks to our great friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. com. Our good friends at Tracks Plus five locations now for that Saney construction equipment or the Demi Seamoth headers with the Barco Forestry equipment, and then you got our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing located right here in the state of Mississippi. It's Mississippi made product down in Florence. Our good friends at Starkville, Mississippi's college town, and Bank First—a better way to bank. Go to BankFirstFS.com for all your lending questions. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Barrack Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.